Hi, I'm Bruce Tolgan, author of The Art of Being Indispensable at Work, published by Harvard Business Review Press. And this is The Indispensables, a podcast featuring conversations with real go-to people who stand the test of time in the real world of work. Each week, I ask my guests what they do differently that sets them apart in the workplace, what makes them tick, and what makes them so successful. In this episode, I talk with Brent Condritz about teaching leaders how to lead. Welcome to The Indispensables. I'm Bruce Tolgan, and how much fun to welcome Brent Condritz, that's Dr. Brent Condritz, Executive Director of the University of Dayton Center for Leadership. Uh, I have had the tremendous privilege of working with Brent now for over a decade on a whole bunch of programs uh, at the Center for Leadership there. And uh, I've also watched Brent basically take over this incredible institution. Uh, and uh, so what a pleasure to have you here, Brent. Welcome to The Indispensables. Great. Thanks, Bruce. I, um, I, was, I was really honored to be able to, uh, to be with you today. Again, I know that we've worked together for such a long time. It almost seems like the, the script is flipping. So, um, so yeah, it's, 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 it's really cool to be with you today. I know, you know, you, you've got a doctorate, you've got an MBA, uh, you've been uh, helping to run the Center for Leadership uh, since 2010, uh, and you had a storied career before that. Uh, but for those who don't know you, um, tell us your story. How did you get to where you are now? So, I mean, I think when we look at, for instance, learning, learning and development, for, for me, it, it really started probably 25 years ago. So I was working for a company or I was offered a position with a company called Barry Sprint. They sent us to Kansas City, Missouri for four weeks of, of training, teaching us how to sell the product and their services. When I sat there, I was just amazed with what the trainers did. I, I mean, I never thought about ever doing anything like that in my life. You know, as, as a kid, if you would have said, hey, what do you want to do when you grow up? I probably would have said, uh, you know, be a basketball coach for like a major university. Uh, but when I watched these trainers and the, the way that I felt when I left, I knew that what they had given me was such a gift and it was going to help me. And I and I was hooked. I mean, I was absolutely hooked. So, you know, I worked for them for for a couple of years, uh, actually, actually about a year or so um, out selling. And, uh, and I remember the date very vividly. It was uh, April the 23rd. Our, our manager's manager came in and said, hey, listen, we've got some things going on. We're going to have to close this office. And I was just like, oh, my gosh, this is horrible. And I, I, the reason I remember that date so well is because I left this meeting. I went to a doctor's appointment with my wife. And a few hours later, we had our second child. So, you know, he had all this stuff just happening on, on this day. That's the only reason I remember April 25th. One part joy and one part adversity. It was huge because I was thinking, what am I, like, what am I going to do? So it was probably about a week that I kept this, this huge secret. And uh, what was really cool about it is I had someone that believed in me. And they reached out to another office in the company and said, hey, this guy, this guy could be a division trainer. They're just like, just go to Pennsylvania, just see what it's like, just go out there and visit. I mean, I had never been to Pennsylvania, New Jersey. I've never been to the East, you know, the East Coast for me. I mean, as far as East as I ever probably went was Indiana. I liked what I saw, but more importantly, I was just like, this is an opportunity. Like, this is an opportunity to really get my feet wet in this training and development area. So I did that for a couple of years and I went back to work for Barry. So I, I left Barry, went to Sprint. I left Sprint, then went back to Barry. 
I, I started there as a corporate trainer. So I did corporate training for a little while. I then went into uh, management training. And what was really cool about that is then another pivoting point. My, my manager's manager came to me and said, hey, would you be interested in, in human resources? And at the time I was thinking, all right, that's a lateral move. Do I want to do it? And I thought to myself, like, why not? Like, let's just try it. So I played in that, in that pool for a while, sales operations for a while, strategy for a while. And then again, another pivotal moment in 2009, our, our company was, was sold to an equity company. I paused and I said, okay, what do I want to do? And that's when this opportunity at, at the University of Dayton happened in 2010. It's been awesome. I mean, it's been awesome. I started doing uh, managing really emerging leader and executive development programs. And I think that's where we first met. Like we first met in 2011, you know, managing those programs. Um, and since that time, I mean, I really feel like I've been fortunate to work and learn every single day that I've been here um, from the people that I work with on our team to the awesome partners and program participants to the thought leaders, you know, folks like yourself who come in here and they, and they teach and they train. That's what I get to experience. I really believe in what our center does. And I, and I, and I feel it plays such an important role in development uh, of others. And, you know, when things are going really well like that, my, my tank's pretty full, you know, that's, that's really how things kind of got here in 2010 where we're at today. Um, you know, we've experienced a good amount of growth. So besides our executive programs and our emerging leader programs and our professional development, we've started a supervisory development certificate in the early 2011, 12 area. We do a good number of custom programs, online programs. And, and a program that I'm especially proud of is a program we started two years ago, which is called Women Lead. And the cool thing about that is that I had a group of uh, of folks that work in our office, um, a handful of employees came to me and said, hey, we really want to we want to go to a women's leadership program. I said, all right, go just go do it. We'll figure out how to how to how to finance that. Go and do it. And they came back and said, all right, we don't want to go. We want to create our own. And I said, OK, just go do it. So, I mean, when you can work with awesome people like that, I mean, that 100 percent, that was them. So so let me unpack some of this because I want to I want to come back to the women lead um, initiative and the way in which you've been able to underwrite the innovation of your own team uh, and their own inspiration to create a program that's really cutting edge. Um, but I want to unpack some of how you got uh, to the Center for Leadership, because what, what I love about your story is um, that each step of the way. So, I mean, look, you have a background in sales, you have a background in strategy, you have a background in operations, uh, you've been in HR, you, you've always flirted with training and development. But here you were uh, uh, moving around a, a major telecommunications company, and you were just soaking up the skills and knowledge and wisdom and relationships and experiences. And um, every step of the way, you were sort of using each twist and turn, whether it was in adversity or a lateral move or, hey, that's an opportunity or somebody's believing in you and offering you a chance. But you uh, are a great example of somebody who has used every twist and turn as a building block uh, to build yourself up and build up your own repertoire and your own uh, experience set so that if you look back, Brent has a lot of experience. And then uh, when you show up at the Center for Leadership, 
you're not operating in an ivory tower. You're what, what's so great is that since what you're doing is so real world, you're you're helping people uh, uh, learn um, uh, theory and practice that works in the real world. Uh, but you know what you're talking about. You've been around the block a few times. Yeah, I mean, I think I think each and every one of those experiences. I've looked at that as a growth opportunity, right? A growth opportunity, a, an opportunity to be challenged. I mean, I think I'm, I, I think the biggest thing is that I was really just fortunate as well too to have people that, you know, believed in me and people that would give me a chance. And that's, you know, the organization that I left to come here, it was, it was a big organization, but we were, but we were really close. Like it was a close knit family of people. I would imagine that with the experience that I had, if I would have sent a resume in to say, Hey, I'm interested in this HR job at a company that I was not at. They probably would have looked at it and said, thanks for using two pieces of paper. We're going to toss this thing. So, you know, when I look at those different opportunities, it all really started with with people. Right. I mean, it started with someone saying, all right, I see something here and I think this is going to work and let's see what happens. And anytime that I think those opportunities have been placed there. Yeah, I, I, I guess I did or have taken those opportunities to heart. Um, and I didn't want to just any point anyone. I didn't want to let anyone down. I mean, when someone believes in you, you do not want to let them down. And I want to draw a bright line under that because one of the reasons I wanted to have you on uh, the show, I mean, of course, uh, I've always enjoyed you and I've learned from you every time we've ever had a conversation. So I thought it would be good for my listeners. But, but what, I want to, uh, uh, what I want to explore with you is I think it's true that you're the kind of guy that people believe in that when you're when you work with somebody uh whether you're working for them or or sideways or diagonal um if somebody gets to know you they they know you're the kind of guy who doesn't want to let people down and um so i want to explore that what what is it that you think what is it that makes people believe in you because at the end of the day my 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 view is that when i try to look at these what i call go-to people sure they work hard sure they have a great attitude but there's something about them that's you know how they interact with others how they treat others how they relate to others that 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 does inspire that belief and it's basically it's confidence that you're not going to let me down that's really what it is. It's confidence that you're not going to let me down. Where did you learn that? What does that come from? You know, I mean, I, I think a lot of that has to do with, um, again, just people that we that we probably or I've experienced in life. Um, you know, whether it's um, you know parents, whether it's you know family members, whether it's coaches, whether it's former supervisors that I've had. You know, I, I like those folks, right? I I didn't want to let them down, so. You know, these are individuals that I think that when I really think about them, they were willing just to give me a chance. And, you know, I, I you know, you mentioned some of the academic degrees and stuff, but man, those things were not easy. And, and when I say that, you know, I look at my ACT scores back in high school, Bruce, they were not good to get into college. It was all hard work to get through that. And then to work on my MBA, believe me, there was a there was a couple times taking those uh, standardized tests. It's like, all right, this score isn't good enough. Okay, I'll take it again. Score's not good enough. So to get in, it's like, all right, I've got to I've I've got to I've got to achieve this. Um, and the same thing even with my PhD is that, you know, I I had a professor, a faculty member that just believed in me and went to bat for me. It's like I cannot let that person down because if they trust me, right, like their reputation's on the line as well too. And 
I think those are those are some big drivers, you know, some really big drivers, you know. But but I want to turn this inside out because I have a feeling that uh, that there, that if you turn it upside down or inside out, that that that, that it's your uh, conviction that you will keep trying, that you will not let people down. That's why they keep believing in you. And so you're saying they believed in me, so I don't want to let them down. But where did you learn this? I mean, you know, sometimes people tell me, oh, I was an Eagle Scout or I, I, I don't. My recollection is you did not serve in the United States Armed Forces. Obviously, your parents taught you a thing or two. One of the things I've been wrestling with in these conversations on the podcast is, do you think that this trait of integrity um, and treating other people with respect and delivering for people, is that something that comes naturally or is it something that can be learned and uh, can, does it have to be learned at an early stage or is it something you can develop over time? What's your point of view about that? I don't know. I guess for me, integrity and honesty is, so it's, it's a core value. So when, I guess when I think about that, that comes from the inside out to your point. I think if I would probably dig deeper into that question about why people come, yeah, I think uh, integrity and honesty, I, I, high standards, you know, hard work, as I mentioned, I think growth and interest in growth. I love to solve problems and to go find those answers and to be able to connect solutions to what folks are struggling with or maybe what they're wrestling with. Um, and, I, and I think a, a, just a couple of things that I've been really trying to focus on really more in the last year or so is just being very intentional and very purposeful. You know, what's, you know, what do I want to do and what's, and what's kind of the why behind that? Yeah. I mean, those are, I think those are also things that I also look for in others. Right. So I think about those folks that, that made a difference with me. It's like, I did trust them and they were honest and they would tell me things that maybe I needed to hear, but didn't want to hear. And that was okay. That was, that was great. Right. Because when we're challenged and we're pushed, we learn, um, you know, high standards, again, I think are this are, are very similar with that as well too. But you know, I think that's probably one of the big things that really kind of drove me or drives me to what I do today is that I'm curious, you know, I'm a, I'm a curious learner. And, um, and that's what I mentioned where, you know, and, and I've heard you speak, what, probably a half dozen, if not more times, right? So every time that I, that I hear you, I walk away with something and I walk away with something new and I walk away with something different. I think that those learnings that then I then can share with other other people is valuable. It also makes me feel good. You know, when someone, someone says, Hey, we really tried this new process, or I really tried this. And it, I thought it was going to be challenging. And they say it worked. And it made a huge difference in myself or my team or what we're trying to accomplish. So like I said, I mean, that's, it, it puts a lot of gas in my tank. So in high school, was it just that uh, the ACT was tough or is it that you became more motivated over time? Oh no, those scores were horrible. I mean, those scores were just horrible. Um, but no, I mean, I, I would consider myself to be a pretty, a pretty self-motivated person. I always like to tell folks that I scored a 32 on the ACT, and they're like, oh my gosh, that's a great score. It's like, no, that's if you take both scores together and add them, add them together. Yeah, you would be right. That's a great score. But uh, I don't know. I mean, I think for, for me, it was just just the drive. I want, I want to learn. I want to, I'm inquisitive. I have questions about things, and I, and I want I want to figure out what those answers are. I want to figure out better ways to do things. And when challenges come my way, I love to solve problems. And you've really put yourself at the center of gravity of the interface between uh, thought leaders and experts on different areas of the workplace, management, strategy, 
um, and and real people in the real world who are applying that stuff in workplaces. So you you've put yourself uh, at the center of gravity of that intersection, right? How does that feel? I mean, it means that if you really are one of those curious, uh, purposeful learners, uh, every day your job is to facilitate real people in the real world learning from thought leaders. Uh, and it means that uh, that's like you'd have to hide under the desk to not get that, uh, that learning every day almost. And I think it's just, again, just being very intentional, though, from that perspective where, you know, I, I, I learn a lot from a lot of different people. Again, I learn a ton of stuff from my team every single day. You know, I hope I grow and I hope I develop every single day by what I learn from them. And, and, and I believe that I do. Um, I learn a ton from folks like yourself that come in and, and I, I, I learn a ton from our partners and our program participants. And, you know, I think the thing that I really like about what we do is we have we work with folks like yourself who have all this knowledge. And we have folks who are coming here because they they want to learn and they want to get better. I mean, we don't have folks that show up here that don't want to learn. Uh, our partners that we work with, the organizations that we work with, I, I cannot tell you how committed. They are so committed to those that they work with, like their employees, their leaders. It's exciting when you can see them come off the elevator or jump onto a Zoom call, I guess, in, in today's environment. And you can see this curiosity of questions. Uh, you know, for me, being able to be in that classroom and have those conversations and just those questions that we get, those inquisitive questions of, okay, explain that again, or I'm not sure how that's going to work, or I'm confused, or, hey, I know that, I know that we're, uh, we're getting ready to go into the restroom together, but can I ask you a question? I mean, it's, I don't know, it's just cool. I, I love what I do. So it was, uh, it was a class that we, that, we, that we introduced in our supervisory leadership certificate and orientation that's built really around the DISC uh, the DISC profile, so for leaders to learn a little bit more about themselves. So, um, so when we take a look at that DISC profile, Bruce, D, D is, uh, is the area of dominance. So like dominant type behaviors, more directive type behaviors. Uh, I is more around influence, influential behaviors. S is steadiness. And the C is conscientiousness. So it's really giving them a better idea of how they operate, how they behave, and how they work. And we also spend a lot of time talking about how do those behaviors impact others and vice versa. So we spend a lot of time in the morning, early afternoon around that. And, and then the afternoon, later in the afternoon, it's really about team development and how their teams develop, how they can develop over time, and, and some really great strategies to, um, you know, to make sure that they're excelling or to get to that level of, of high performance that they're looking looking to, uh, to obtain. So... That's what yesterday was all about. It was pretty cool. I love these profile systems. I think uh, whether it's DISC or Myers-Briggs or the Color Energies or the Enneagram, any of those, uh, there's so many profiling systems and they're all so good for helping people understand themselves and helping people understand each other, I think. it's. I mean, it's a great jumping off point, right? So, you know, you think about leading, it's pretty tough to lead others if you can't lead yourself, right? So... It has to start with self first, kind of that inside out uh, mentality, more or less. So, and people, you know, then they have a shared language, right? So going forward, uh, they can say, "Hey, look, that's just the dominant in me," or you know, "That's uh, hey, look, this is just my service mindset." One of the things I'm curious about is, you know, I think some people they set out with really good intentions to serve. But uh, but but there are pitfalls. If you take a service minded approach, 
Um, sometimes people go wrong. There are pitfalls uh, that get in the way of delivering for people. Uh, what's your take on that? Well, I mean, I think a lot of that, again, comes down to that level of self-awareness as well, too, right? And, and being able to surround yourself with people that will tell you the truth and that will be honest with you and, and also one who's willing to take feedback and suggestions to better themselves as well too, right? So I don't know, I just, I just feel it's just so important to understand what you're really good at and to understand where your struggles are or things that you wrestle with. That's what I like about, you know, you mentioned some of the, you know, the different profiles and assessments. Those things are helpful. What do high performers want? They want someone to be honest with them. You know, I'll give you a great example. So, you know, we've worked together enough. Here's what I know about you. Every single break or when we take a time for lunch, I know what I know what's going to happen. You're going to come up and say, hey, how are things going? Do you have any feedback? Anything I can do differently? You want to be really good at what you do. You want to help others, right? Like that's what you want. So for me to sit there and say, oh, yeah, that was a really good exercise, Bruce. And then you find out in an evaluation later, hey, that thing fell flat on its face. And there's consistent feedback that says that. I know what I know that you want the truth. You would rather me say, hey, this and this was really good, but I think that we need to get the group more active. So we either need this type of an exercise or, you know, can we spend some more time on some questions and answers or let's call let's call on some folks to get them involved in the program. And the reason I what, what I always try to do that at each interval, why? Because I want to do it while there's still a chance to act on your feedback. And one of the things I've learned from some uh, clients is they're just going to say, keep doing what you're doing. Whereas uh, you're very sensitive to the group and you know, I really want to hear it. So you will often give me, and you're not going to say, oh, what you're doing is, is not working. You might, you, you're going to give me a little adjustment of the dial and it, it really helps. Uh, look, nobody's, uh, nobody's uh, objective about themselves. I always tell people you are the least objective person about yourself, except maybe your mom. So, you know, you, you, you need an objective third party and that's, what's great about training that that's what's great about coaching. That's why I believe leadership and management really matters. It's not a footnote. It's not just a thing on your business card. Um, and, and I know that uh, your uh, kind of your mantra is self-awareness, feedback, candor, honesty, curiosity. And I love uh, uh, the idea that uh, you're willing to take a chance and then you are determined to not let people down. I think so much of what goes right and wrong for people is not their hard skills. It's not even their, their, their hard work. It's not even their, you know, their willingness to please. It's their awareness. Again, I mean, I think as, um, as we look at just different things that we do and different things that we, that we try to accomplish, that's where... You know, again, it's tough to do those things by yourself, right? It's tough to do those things by yourself. I mean, you, you've written a number of best-selling books, but yet how much, you know, how much feedback do you get from the publisher? Um, you know, your wife's a great author. She's probably giving you feedback as well too, right? And, you know, some of those, and, it, and the feedback's just like anything else, right? You've got to ask yourself, is this important? And, and, and do I want to make adjustments? And if I do, how, how do I do them? But I've always liked the honesty and the, and the candor and the integrity as compared to finding out after the fact. And, and you need those folks who are, 
loving critics to help you with that. You know, you mentioned, and again, I, I use the words, I just don't want to let any, anyone down. But it's also just, I think, being able to really look at, you know, the mission that we're trying to accomplish as well, too. Right. So, again, it's 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 a much bigger it's a much bigger thing. And that's why mission, I, I, I feel, is also so important to what to what I do. The, what is the mission at the Center for Leadership? You know, I, I think in its most simplistic terms is we just we want to help leaders grow and develop. I mean, that's really what what our mission is. You know, we have on our wall, which is to learn, lead and serve. Learn, lead, and serve. That's what we want to do. That's what the mission is. And our our part in that is to help leaders grow, help leaders develop for, for really a, a cause. Yeah. And one of the things um, uh, I see in the classroom when I come to the Center for Leadership is, you know, you might have people there from the United States Air Force. You might have people there from uh, a healthcare organization. You might have people there from a metal fabricator. And each and every one of them has a mission. And it's not just a mission to their shareholders, but also to all the constituents of their organization. Um, sometimes people will say to me, oh, well, you know, well, some organizations, their only mission is making money. Well, for one thing, uh, yeah, people have to eat and they provide jobs for people. And, and uh, if you have a thousand employees, uh, you have the careers and livelihoods of a thousand people and their families in your hands. And that's, that matters. Yeah. I mean, it, it does matter. Um, I think that's why when I look at what we do and the work that we get to do, I, I think that's where I just feel really fortunate. But, you know, you think about where the world is today. It's much different than what it was the last time that you were here in person. And, and, you know, I, I think about that too. You know, when you think about mission, Right. Like I'm I'm 100 percent driven by what we do, the mission that we that we have here. You know, I think about where we were a year ago so I can I can vividly remember the middle of March. You know, like everyone else, we get this this this, you know, this direction of, hey, come Friday, we all need to be working at home. And I can remember sitting around this big table and we're like, OK, what are we going to do? Like, how are we how are we going to adjust? Because literally 99.9% of stuff that we would do would be live face-to-face -face and in person. And, you know, we could have gone down one path to say, well, let's just wait it out. I'm sure it's not going to last very long. And the other path was we better be ready. I mean, if leadership is going to step up, like now's the time, right? Now's the time. So we're sitting around this table and we were talking about, well, Hey, why don't we do some, some zoom programs? You know, so we're sitting there saying like, okay, do we even know how Zoom really works? Like, how's this going to work? I hear there's polls. I hear these, these breakout rooms, but, you know, we really didn't have a ton of experience with it. And we decide, okay, what if we would do seven one-hour sessions to really help? Because our mission, those first couple of weeks, we really wanted to help people. So we decided, well, let's take maybe a look at some classes on like an hour snippet on change resilience, stress management, how are we going to manage work and life? How do we work from home? And, and it was so, so fun at that point because, well, I was really, I guess it was, fun's probably not a good word. It was stressful at that point. Well, it was scary too, it was, yeah. you, right? Cause you guys have taught programs on adaptability and change. And here you are, uh, an object lesson in uh, teaching your constituents and yourselves uh, all learning together, uh, adapting in real life to a global emergency. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was crazy. You know, so we're sitting there we were, I remember us talking and it's like, okay, we're going to do these seven one hour sessions. Okay. Well, what do we think we could, you know, like how many people do you think will even come to these things? 
And I remember saying, ah, who knows? We were all talking like, who knows? Like maybe 20? Like, could we get like 20, 25, 30 people? Bruce, we had 1,800 people in seven sessions, seven one-hour sessions, 1,800 people. And at that point in time, you know, again, when that challenge was there, you know, you want to talk about like so proud of the folks that work, you know, like them coming together and saying, all right, we can be helpful. Like we can do something. And it was probably a week later we did our first virtual program. And we, we grappled with the same thing in our first webinar. We were amazed. We thought, well, let's just put something up and see if people participate. And we were amazed at, at the, the level of, of hunger and participation. Now, I think over time, people have gotten used to this. There's some Zoom fatigue and all that. Uh, and I'm, I'm actually craving being back in, in person with people. And um, much as I, I don't like traveling, Hey, if you are enjoying this podcast, you'll want to check out the exclusive Career Coach podcast with me, Lisa Edwards. I cover all things career management for high-achieving mid-career professionals. As a 30-year veteran of career coaching and one of 23 master resume writers in the world, I am your go-to expert in managing your career path. Topics include resume writing, interviewing, LinkedIn, job search strategies, managing expectations with your boss, leadership, and so much more. Each episode provides you with actionable steps you can take. For example, on episode 176, How to Really Prepare for a Job Interview, I give you 11 tips to help you ace your next job interview. The Exclusive Career Coach Podcast has won multiple awards, including Top Job Search Podcast by JobScan and Top Career Management Podcast by MaxList. So hop on over to the Exclusive Career Coach Podcast to listen and subscribe. See you there. But, but that's a great story of adaptation um, and real life leadership, real life um, learning from each other while you're teaching others. Uh, and I love that. And, and I, you know, if, if I may say, I think because of where you are at the nexus of experts, uh, thought leaders and real people in the real world applying stuff, um, I think you've always been sort of a, a center of innovation when it comes to uh, best practices and also learning. So I, I want to use uh, that as a segue to come back to what you were telling about women lead. So let's let's zero in on that. So tell me about what your team did and and the and the program they created and this initiative, this women lead women, women's leadership um, uh, initiative. I I I'm really eager to uh, to make sure our, our listeners learn about that. You know, I can I can remember it pretty vividly. Uh, you know, a couple of um, a couple of the women on my team came to me and said, "Hey, we're interested in um, in going to uh, like a, a women's leadership program." So I was all for it. I'm like, absolutely. You know. Take a look, find what you want to do, and we'll figure out how how to make it happen. They came back and, and they said, um, "Hey, we don't we don't know if we want to go to anything now. We're not really finding what we want. We want to like we want to build our own." It's like, okay, then go do it. Like you go do it. You figure out what this needs to look like. You feel what it needs to feel like. Bring it. Just bring it. Just bring it, and we will figure out some way to do it. So it's it's really a program for women created by women. So they, they, I mean, they put together uh, some, some really, I think some fantastic programming. So all the programming, the 10 programs that are involved, I mean, it's anything from communication to um, 
a mentoring program to three, you know, to a 360 assessment to, you know, how do we, you know, how do we handle negotiation? So, you know, it was, it was really built on, uh, you know, on, on what they found uh, from a, from a needs perspective, they went out and they found subject matter experts in those, in those areas to really come and deliver the content. So it's built by women for women, uh, leveraging women experts. And, um, and, and did they just go through the regular uh, 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 palette of soft skills, uh, you know, self-evaluation, work habits, personal skills, learning, uh, or did they zero in on uh, areas that they thought were particularly potential needs uh, that they perceived uh, affect women leaders more? So probably the best way to answer that question is yes, right? That's, I mean, that's probably the best way to answer that question is just, you're absolutely right. The answer, the answer is yes. So, you know, I would, I would tell you that it's really a, a collaborative effort on, on, a, on a lot of different levels. So, you know, I mentioned a couple of things. One is there's, there's a couple core things from a mentor, a mentoring uh, perspective. So each one of the women in this program have a, have a, have a mentor that's going to work with them for the six months of this program. It's a very formalized mentoring component there. We, we have also worked with an organization that has a specific assessment for women leaders. I, we decided to, um, to have a couple of folks in our team get certified in that. So again, we could get really good at delivering that feedback and those perspectives. And then the content itself is anything from, you know, how do we navigate our identity, um, high impact communication, the topic of influence, you know, how do we manage conflict in those difficult conversations? You know, how do we negotiate and how do we negotiate for ourselves? You know, it also takes a look at, at that personal aspect. You know, how do we design our best life? How do we design our career? And it takes a look at that leadership and work integration piece. And, you know, you come back to that topic of serving. Bruce, there's also a component of it that really addresses what we call learn, lead, and serve. You've got this group of high-performing women that are just, I mean, they're awesome, right? I mean, these awesome leaders already who then go back into the, into the community and they give back by helping organizations within the community as well, too. And, and again, I mean, that's the reason I'm so proud of, of what they've done is because you want to talk grassroots, it's grassroots, like, right? Like grassroots efforts. And, you know, I think that's, that's another important thing when, you, when we talk about being there for others, listening such an important characteristic and skill as well, too. You know, that's the thing that has been really valuable. You know, when you listen to those that you serve, when, when we listen to our partners, when we listen to the participants that come to our programs, when I listen to uh, our team, really good things happen. It's when we don't listen or we think we've got the answers ourselves. or, all right, I'll create, I'll create the answer, I'll create the response. Sometimes it doesn't work as well. Look, one of the things that's been revealed throughout the pandemic, um, I mean, there have been a lot of issues that have been revealed in greater relief by the pandemic. One of them is the disparity that still faces women in the workplace and uh, that women do have unique challenges and that women do bear uh, more of the burdens of taking care of things uh, on the domestic side. That, that seems to be the only logical explanation for why uh, women have suffered more uh, in terms of their careers and earning during the pandemic than men. Um, so uh, I, I think these issues are, are, are still front and center 
Uh, and I'm so uh, glad and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm proud of my association with the Center for Leadership anyway, but I'm, I'm, I'm even more proud knowing that you guys are, are focusing on that. Thanks. Um, so, okay, uh, as our uh, time uh, uh, starts to near an end, um, tell me uh, what's your best career advice? If somebody looks at, at, at you and says, gosh, you know, how does somebody get to be like Brent Condritz? What's your, what's your, uh, what's your best career advice for somebody? Uh, you know, the do's and don'ts. Yeah, I, th- I think I think the best career advice is to be you, right? So not to try to be anyone else, but uh, no, I think in, in all seriousness, um, you know, the other things that really come to mind as well too, when when others have maybe asked that question, is uh, passion and mission first. So figure out what you love to do and not a title, right? Figure out what you love to do and not a title. Um, I think the uh, another thing is that openness and that willingness to learn and to grow every single day. I think a lot of, a lot of folks think that, Oh, the only way I'm going to learn something is to maybe read a book or, you know, the only way I'm going to learn something is to, is to take a class, but there are so many different opportunities just to learn with those experiences that we have. And I think that's where, again, reflection comes in. I probably need to take more time to do this, but I do try to take a little bit of time, whether it's each day or definitely each week and, and just think about, all right, what did I learn this week? Uh, what were some things that um, that I could have done a little bit better? And what were some things that, that you know what, I actually did this pretty well. And I want to continue to, to replicate that because there were there were good things that happened from it. And I, and I think the, the last thing, and if anything, the pandemic has taught us this, is to get comfortable being uncomfortable. Any career that we that we look at, it was not like a smooth sailing ship, right, from point A to point Z. I mean, there were turbulent waters in there. At some point in time, you will have turbulent waters. So the question is, what are you going to do when it becomes uncomfortable? Get comfortable being uncomfortable. Brent Condritz, thank you for being a guest on The Indispensables. Thanks, Bruce. In our next episode, I'll talk with Bavik Modi. He's an expert on business simulation. He's associate director with BTS. He's focused on innovation and digital transformation. He was introduced to me by my old friend, Ted Sunquist, who used to be the general manager of the Denver Broncos. If you like this episode, please subscribe and leave us a review. You can also follow us on Twitter at goto underscore podcast. That's at goto underscore podcast. Learn more about GoToism in my new book, The Art of Being Indispensable at Work, available now from Harvard Business Review Press, wherever books are sold. And you can learn more about our work at Rainmaker Thinking by visiting us at rainmakerthinking.com. Until next time, stay strong and stay indispensable.